everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Scrub Life, a surgical technology podcast. As you may know, we are in the midst of a rebranding to hopefully encompass a larger audience base and also to support the profession of surgical technology as a whole. And I think in the beginning, this uh, podcast was just a way to kind of creatively engage my students from um, a team perspective. And uh, gosh, I couldn't be um, more proud and uh, humbled and surprised at uh, what it has evolved into. So that being said, here is a brand new episode entitled COVID-19 Vaccines, Masks, in Layman's Terms. Please stay tuned. So I feel like crap, to be completely honest. And I'm achy. I'm so feverish. Um, and uh, I've sweated today. Uh, it's it's uh, it's definitely not been fun. Um, and so why would I divulge that, right? Well, um, so if anything, this podcast has been um, a lesson in um, vulnerability not just for my students and our program, um, but also for me as well. And so today I received my third COVID vaccine. You heard it right, third. So uh, why is that? Well, um, so I am one of those uh, severely immunocompromised patients. And those of you who met me, probably are tilting your head at the moment. Uh, yeah, I don't always look sick. Um, if I am not well, then I guarantee I'm not in public, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, um, I'm an autoimmune train wreck and on several medications that, uh, make me more susceptible to infection. So yes, thankfully the CDC authorized a third vaccine for those of us in that particular area. And uh, I took absolutely full advantage of it. So yeah, today is less than 24 hours since that um, shot. And uh, I am actually really grateful that I feel like crap today because it means that my body is actually having an immune response. Um, And uh, sometimes that just doesn't happen. like I would hope. So yeah, um, there we go. What a way to start a podcast, right? So here's uh, along that same lines of transparency. Um, no, I am not an immunologist. Um, I do not work with the CDC. Um, I am not a registered nurse and I am not a medical physician. Um, also, if you guys haven't guessed, uh, you don't have to be a medical doctor or a registered nurse in order to speak intelligently on 
things that are uh, related to our field of medicine. Um, I will tell you that uh, I have done a ton of research on COVID, not just because I am potentially um, really susceptible to it, but also because um, I'm in charge of an amazing team of instructors. Uh, I'm in charge of a cohort of students. Uh, I am now on my third cohort of students in the midst of this pandemic. And to say that I feel a sense of responsibility for them, for their well-being, for their safety, um, I, I don't even think words cover it. And I'm sure those of you who are educators uh, probably understand exactly what I'm saying. Um, so I have, I've done a ton of research on this. I've spoken on several occasions uh, on the topic of COVID and uh, sterility and um, good God, how to wear a mask properly and wash your hands. Um, who would have thought in the year 2021, we're still having those issues, right? But having the third vaccination um, having my children return to school face-to-face, -face, uh, and then, of course, returning face-to-face -to, -face to, uh, my campus has been a large issue. Uh, you know, our program was on campus, uh, this entire time. We missed one five-week summer semester being online, uh, which was, um, a riot, uh, we taught those students how to gown and glove through a video screen. Uh, my coordinator, Jeff Leonard, who is just a rock star, um, had a GoPro, an iPhone, and um, I believe a MacBook with three different directions trying to, to create a video that would allow them to understand a lot of the skills that we, uh, we were having to teach virtually. So... Um, you know, we've been there, we've done that. Uh, and I feel very, very inclined to speak to you all about the vaccine and the masks and what is happening right now. Um, I am definitely more uh, well-versed in this topic than the Facebook uh, crackheads that are going off. Um, I don't have a political um, agenda. I could care less what your politics are. Um, I just want to do the right thing for my family, for me, for my patients, uh, for my students, and um, humanity in general. So in reflecting on everything that is happening right now, um, I can't tell you how disappointed I am in some of my colleagues in the ranting and the raving um, that have happened on social media um, in regards to mask mandates or COVID vaccine mandates or um, personal freedom or even more important, um, our responsibility to each other as human beings. So I realized as crazy as it seems that I have a platform and I've done my research and maybe I then have a responsibility to speak intelligently about the vaccines, about the masks. Um, 
about COVID. And my hopes are maybe not that you change your mind. Um, I do believe in personal choice. I also believe in personal responsibility. And sometimes those two things can conflict. But I also think that there's so much disinformation out there that people may be making the wrong decision um, because they just don't know. And they don't know what the research is and they don't know who to ask. Um, and, and no one's just laid it out there. So that's what this episode is. Um, it's laying it out there and hoping that maybe in the way that I've explained it to my own family, um, my own friends, our students, um, that maybe you may find clarity and then have the ability to make an educated decision and not one based on fear or emotions or peer pressure or um, passive aggressiveness <laughs> or stomping our feet because someone wants us to do something different. So let's talk about just pandemics in general. So there really have been three major corona pandemics uh, in basically our in the last hundred or so years. And um, and so the first one was SARS and the second one was MERS. And then, of course, the worst of all, which is what we're dealing with right now, which is COVID-19. So SARS stands for Sudden Acute Respiratory Syndrome. And so many of the same symptoms that we're having with this particular pandemic were um, had with SARS. It was super contagious, but it was also, um, how did it differ? Well, SARS, you actually had to feel symptoms like you were sick whenever you became contagious. So it was a lot easier to isolate those patients. Um, you know, it, it was easy. You saw someone who had all of the uh, basic symptoms of uh, respiratory distress, and you knew immediately to quarantine them, um, to isolate them, and uh, and then, of course, to treat. Uh, the second one was MERS. Um, so MERS is also coronavirus, except MERS stands for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. And the reason they called it the Middle East uh, Respiratory Syndrome is because that's where it pretty much stayed. Uh, yes, there were other um, there were other cases. I think there were just a few in the United States, um, and that came from those people who had traveled to the Middle East. Um, so yeah, contagious, but there just weren't as many cases around the world, and it didn't last as long. Um, SARS, I think, happened in the early 2000s. MERS happened, uh, I think, six or seven years after that. And then so, um, of course, now we've had corona since 2019. It's crazy to think that the World Health Organization actually called COVID-19 a pandemic um, in March of 2020. And by the end of March, the U.S. became the epicenter of this pandemic. So outside of the movies in Hollywood, who would have thought that, that, uh, you know, our country could have become this massive epicenter, but it did. And, um, I think that was a mixture of crappy politics and it being used disinformation being used as a weapon and also fear of the unknown. 
So just that's not a good combination for a healthy reaction to something that is killing those that we love um, and doing so ruthlessly and without warning. So what's a coronavirus? Well, most of the time, so coronavirus is, uh, they cause the common cold. Um, They're all over the place. Corona is Latin for crown. And I'm sure many of you have actually seen the photos of the coronavirus, unless you just squint your eyes whenever it's on. (laughs) But the coronavirus is called uh, Latin, Corona is Latin for crown. And, and, uh, you know, the virus actually kind of mimics a crown with all of its spikes. And these spikes are uh, made out of protein. And they're the way that the this virus actually connects with its host. And, uh, and these spike proteins have been the, um, the key to unlocking a vaccine, uh, that can protect the whole world and many vaccines in that way. So why does Corona suck? So, um, we have these, I guess, cells in our immune system called cytokines. And these cytokines are great. Um, I I compare them to the Paul Revere, you know, writing in saying the British are coming, the British are coming. And so there are loudmouths. Like they, the cytokines are our tattletales in our immune system. And so when you see a cytokine coming, it alerts the rest of our immune system, right? The big badass uh B cells and T cells to come in and, um, and take care of the problem. So once a cytokine has alerted the rest of the immune system, it goes away, except for this particular strain of coronavirus. So in this particular strain, the cytokines are continuously activated. So Paul Revere is like up neck deep in screaming at the top of his lungs that something bad is about to happen. And what causes the most havoc on our body because of this reactivation of cytokine is that we have incredibly um, massive immune response that causes inflammation. And this inflammation can affect all of our organ systems. So since it's a respiratory virus, it immediately affects our lung tissue. Uh, Swelling and inflammation affect our um, our alveoli and, and our the lungs and our cells to be able the cells in our lungs to be able to uh, exchange oxygen exchange oxygen and uh, then immediately we're in respiratory uh, distress we're hypoxic um, are we're then hypertensive and tachycardic and um, all of this is a basic domino effect to making multi organ system failure. And one of the biggest problems, and there are many, is that it is very hard to gauge who is going to handle this multi-systemic inflammation and who's not. Now, obviously, there are folks that have a predisposition to having complications. So if you're morbidly obese, if you have um, diabetes, if you're already in some sort of organ failure, um not just organ failure, but, uh, you know, if you are a cancer patient, um, or if you are like me and, uh, a severely compromised immuno, um, immunosuppressed patient, um, all of these things are, 
uh, just a recipe for a really bad outcome. So what happens? Well, we, I, we can't even really truly speak to the, the response from the U.S. I would say that it's disappointing. Um, instead of one massive handheld, we are the world response, um, we ended up having 50 miniature responses from the kid who wants to pick, be picked first on the playground. And, um, and I think it was just between that and our political um, landscape, I, it just was not handled well. That being said, no, Dr. Fauci, uh, as another disclaimer, I don't know Dr. Fauci. Um, I don't have his cell phone. Um, he hasn't given me a heads up, but hey, at the end of this, if, uh, if he wants to contact me, I would, I would totally fangirl because I think he's done um, a good job at navigating the crazy waters. So, all right, I digressed. But these spike proteins, these on the coronavirus, they've actually become the key to creating a vaccine. And so what are the vaccines? Well, there's nine, I believe, across the world, but only three that the FDA have approved for use in the United States. And so there are two that use messenger RNA. Um, those are Pfizer and Moderna. Um, those are the two manufacturing companies that have produced those vaccines. And so what's an mRNA? Well, so messenger RNA is kind of like a little, that's what he is. He's a messenger. Um, he's like the delivery guy. He's the Instacart or the Uber driver for your body. And so that being said, um, there's very little messenger RNA can do. In fact, all messenger RNA can do is copy DNA. So think about it this way. You're, if you need a skin cell, um, you tell your body, hey, I need some skin cells made. And you hit up messenger RNA because you're lazy and you don't want to get off the couch. And then messenger RNA goes, okay, because it's eager to please. And it goes over to the DNA and it finds the recipe for skin cells. And it copies the recipe. Why? Because that's all it can do. The only thing it can do. It copies the recipe and it brings it over to your lazy butt and you say thanks. And then you decide, all right, enough Netflix and chill. I'm going to go and I'm going to make some more skin cells. And that's all messenger RNA can do. It's a carrier. And what has been amazing about messenger RNA is that we have been using it for over a decade because messenger RNA can, we use that plus coating it in a fat and it can take anything anywhere. And so we've used this in cancer treatment for years alongside stem cell treatment as well. So the actual science behind the creation of the vaccine is not new folks. It's not new. You may not have heard about it, but it's not new. So messenger RNA is what is being used by Pfizer and Moderna. And it brings the recipe, not for the virus, just for the protein spike. So if any of you remember as a kid, you used those, um, you had the balls that were made of plastic that were hollow and they would have different shapes cut out, right? A triangle, a square, a circle. 
and you had these pieces that would fit into each of those cutouts. And so your little baby would try to get the, the cylinder piece into the circle, the triangle piece into the triangle, and so on and so forth. Well, that's what these protein spikes are there for. So if you think of the membrane of your, of your cells as kind of like a little jigsaw puzzle, that's how these, these protein spikes are able to kind of connect into your, uh, your cells. And then they, viruses need a host in order to multiply. Like they can't do anything without a host. So the key in here is to have messenger RNA copy the recipe just for the protein spike, inject it into your body, and your body recognizes this mRNA, creates an immune response, and then creates antibodies against the protein spikes. So no, no one's injecting you with COVID. Um, you're not being microchipped. Uh, you know, you're not, um, I will tell you after three doses of Moderna, I have yet to develop some third eye. I have unfortunately not dropped weight. Um, and I will tell you that the forked tail that supposedly is growing out of my backside, my husband swears has been there all along. So can't blame it on the virus. Um, I digress. But anyway, so messenger RNA is not new. Pfizer and Moderna have both created vaccines for them. And this has been such an amazing um, study. They have done all the, they have done phase one, two, and three trials, and they have managed to get pretty verse, diverse uh, patients. So those who are from different ethnic backgrounds, those who are different gender, um, different age, uh, also those who have different comorbidities. So they really have done their part. And they also went above and beyond that and did um, a, what we call T-cell migration studies as well. And so, you know, I'll talk a little bit about uh, the different cells that actually are part of our immune system. But I do want to mention the third um, vaccine that is authorized in the United States, and that's from the Johnson & Johnson manufacturer. So it's not a messenger RNA protein, or I'm sorry, vaccine. It actually uses DNA that is coded in this adenovirus. And an adenovirus is super harmless. Um, it's just basically like the casing on a sausage, right? Um, or, oh my God, now all I have is this vision of tamales in the wrapper. And now I'm hungry which may explain why I haven't lost weight uh, <laughs> for the vaccine or COVID or any of that. But so what happens in the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine, it's just a one dose and it actually injects the DNA wrapped in this adenovirus. Your body sees it, takes your body's own messenger RNA and then copies that DNA for the protein spike. And then will go on and create antibodies for the protein spike. So both of them are creating antibodies against the protein spikes on the coronavirus. And remember, these protein spikes, their job is to attach to your cells so that you then become the host that these viruses desperately need in order to, uh, to multiply. So 
that's basically the history behind, you know, Corona, the virus, and um, how the different um, vaccines in the United States actually attack uh, and create antibodies. So here in a second, we're going to take a break and talk more about your immune system as a whole and go from there. So we'll be right back. All right, so back to your immune system. So what exactly is it that our antibodies are doing? And what is our immune response to uh, viruses in general? Well, so you have two major players in your immune response. You have your B cells, B as in Blevins, and you have your T cells. And both of those also have other um, compartments that are called your memory T cells and your memory B cells. But your memory B cells, your B cells are made of antibodies. All right. So basically, once your cytokines scream that the British are coming, um, sorry to my best friend, Liz Sawyer, who is super British. I mean nothing by it. But your B cells come in. Your B cells are like the infantry. So they come hauling it in and they are ready to kick butt and do whatever it is they need to be able to keep you healthy. Um, the T cells, man, the T cells are like the Marvel superheroes. All right. So you have a couple of T cells, you have helper cells, and then you have killer cells. So if you want to think of it as Thor, as his like cutie patootie helper self, right? Part of the team kicking butt. And then his hammer comes in and his hammer are the killer T cells. All right. If you're laughing at my analogies, just wait. All right. It helps you understand it. <laughs> but Thor and his hammer come in and they can do a heck of a lot more damage and can protect you for much longer than our B cells. So our B cells, unfortunately, don't last as long. But T cells do an amazing job of preventing severe disease. And so that is what we try to do with these vaccines is to get a mixture of both our infantry and our Marvel superheroes. And they have successfully done that. In fact, there's so many different kinds of T cells that when we talk about these different variants that we have, um, even if you are reinfected or, you know, get infected after you have been vaccinated, you're going to have a very mild disease response because of your T cell development. And so in the Johnson and Johnson, Moderna and Pfizer um, trials, what they found was that not only are you getting the antibody response that we want from mRNA, uh, but we're also getting a really good and healthy mix of T cells, both helper and killer. And this is awesome because then the, you're going to have the memory of the vaccine even long after you actually got the vaccine. Um, and so not only is this going to you know, protect you against severe disease, but it's also going to prevent you from being a carrier. See, that's the problem with this particular strain of COVID. COVID-19 is transmittable even when you are asymptomatic. 
So whereas SARS, you actually showed symptoms and then you were contagious. COVID, you are contagious. It has a 14-day incubation period. So you can have this respiratory disease. You can be a carrier of this virus for 14 days and not have any symptoms. And that's what makes it so dangerous. So, you know, yes, Pfizer, you can get two shots. I believe they have to be three weeks apart. Moderna is actually two shots at four weeks apart. Johnson & Johnson is a one-time go. Now, remember, Johnson & Johnson is the adenovirus-wrapped DNA. Um, And, yeah, there have been issues. There have been very few issues. Some of them are just myocarditis, which is inflammation of the the cardiac muscle. Um, But... For the most part, these vaccines are so incredibly safe. And I have heard so many things um, from folks on just in my career field and uh, in my social circles, um, however little those are. And, you know, they're concerned. Well, there hasn't been enough. Um, I've heard several people say there haven't been enough. Um, there's not an an, an There haven't been enough trials. Um, There's not been enough research. You know, uh, we don't know what we're putting into our body. Um, And of course, you know, so forth and so on. But what I will tell you and what kills me is when you get coronavirus, when you get COVID, if you are one of the unfortunate ones to be hospitalized, your treatment is also experimental. Remdesivir has shown great promise. It's an antiviral medication. But if you remember, you know, there were, there have been um, talks about Plaquenil back in in the beginning. Um, Plaquenil ended up having massive cardiovascular side effects. Remdesivir has been doing a great job, but it needs to be patched with a steroid. Um, And then the patient needs to be hyperoxygenated. we have um, ivermectin, which is an antifungal medication that people are trying, which originally showed a lot of promise, but then I believe in the later phases uh, wasn't as promising. We've had patients that were immediately put on a vent. Um, we've tried not placing patients on, vent, on vents. We've tried hyperbaric chambers. We've tried pronation. Um, so if your concern is that the vaccine is still experimental, well, what happens when you get COVID and you go to the hospital? Are you going to reject their treatment because it too is experimental? It's food for thought, right? Remember, the science behind these vaccines is legit. The science behind these vaccines is nothing new. We are grateful for the massive scientific push that has gone out all over the world to many medical and pharmaceutical manufacturers that are desperately trying to save all of us, regardless of our background, regardless of our political leanings, regardless of what we do for a living. And that should be honored And it should be the science that's leading the way, not Facebook, not Instagram, and damn well, not politics. 
I've also heard about effects and side effects. And yes, in women under 50, the Johnson and Johnson um, vaccine did have a one in one million incident of clotting or malfunction of our clotting mechanisms. In women over 50 and in other ethnic backgrounds, it was a seven to one million incidents of this, I guess, clotting um, mechanism gone wrong, right? Or hyperclotting issues. Um, in the messenger RNA, very young children were getting myocarditis, which is that inflammation of the cardiac muscle. Uh, and they too were at a very, very low rate. So, you know what? I looked it up. And what was interesting to find is that, do you know that you have a, where is that? Let me look at my statistics, which by the way, guys, you all can find um, on our website, uh, the scrublifepodcast.wordpress.com. But I looked up fatal crash totals. And in 2019, in the United States alone, the result was 11 deaths per 100,000 people or 1.11 deaths per 100 million miles traveled. The fatality rate per 100,000 people ranged from 3.3 in the District of Columbia to 25.4 in Wyoming. My point being is you are more likely to die driving to the hospital than you are to die from getting a vaccine. Just think about that for a minute. We can get so stuck on one or more side effects. I will tell you my aunt, God bless her, she's an amazing human being. She's the only person I have ever met in the entire world who looked at the side effects from taking melatonin at night. Melatonin is something that our bodies actually create on their own. And yet she looked at the side effects and the side effects were such that they really intimidated her. Um, I will take it. I don't care what happens. I need my sleep. <laughs> but I, my point being is that, yes, should we wear masks? If we're not vaccinated and we're going to be in close quarters, sure, wear a mask. Is it perfect? No. Do we need to alcohol every part of our body every five seconds? No, you're destroying your normal flora. And this is not a contact illness. It's a respiratory illness. Um, and this is coming from a surge tech who thinks that scrubbing her hands is probably the second best feeling in the world. We need to wear masks if we're not going to be vaccinated. You need to wear it appropriately. But the very best protection from this pandemic, the best protection for those young children who cannot have the vaccine, is to surround them by vaccinated individuals so that their exposure to this horrible, deathly illness is lessened. At some point, just like we say for our patient care, for our job when we walk into the operating room, for the things that we tell our students every day, 
for those that we promise to our patients, it is never about you. It should always be about the patient. So whether you believe in a mandate, whether you believe that the government should tell us what we do with our bodies, whether you think that this is some massive, ridiculous, stupid uh, conspiracy theory, just stop and think for a minute. Do the right thing, not just for you, but for those that you love. Make an educated decision. Get vaccinated. Don't get vaccinated. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. But for God's sake, do it because you actually understand the science behind it and not because you're following fear or you're following paranoia or you're just following blindly. We've got to take care of each other. We have to find our humanity again. And we have to do what's right. That's what helps me to sleep at night. I hope it's what helps you to sleep at night. And, well, I guess that's my soapbox. (laughs) So with that, Thank you for listening to this episode of The Scrub Life. If you would like to be a participant in future episodes, please contact me. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Our email is thescrublifepodcast at outlook.com. And of course, my name is Chris Blevins. And as always, thank you so much for listening, for supporting me, our program, and for most of all, supporting our profession. With that, I'm signing off. Enjoy the rest of your week. And please, if you feel that someone else might benefit from what I've said tonight, I would appreciate it. Please share along. And with that, just take care of each other.